Hello, and welcome to Cinder and Hops, the podcast where we put our guards down, take up a drink and a smoke, and enjoy conversation together. My name is David, and each time we get to sit down, we'll be tackling a new topic, and nothing is off limits. From theology to politics, Marvel vs. DC to small business, pop culture to cultural taboo, if you're talking about it, odds are so are we. The goal is that after the last ember falls and the last sip is down, we can find something that we do agree on, because that's what this podcast is all about, reclaiming conversation in a split world. All right, well, welcome back to Senior and Hops. Uh, regardless of when this one comes out, it has been a while since we've had consensus episodes, and so I apologize for that. Um, I feel like we all kind of understand the world we're in, so sometimes, you know, best laid plans and such and so forth. Um, but today, tonight, right now, we are going back to another conversation with my cousin, Kevin. Uh, tonight's going to be I think a good opportunity to, again, just sort of have a conversation about things that you may not agree with someone on with no intention necessarily to uh, convince them ultimately one way or the other, but really just to sort of unflesh and unpack um, conversation. And it's okay to do that, and it's okay to walk away without, you know, completely overthrowing the other person's train of thought or mindset. And so, again, the whole purpose of this podcast was to encourage people to have conversations and to not be afraid of talking to people you may disagree with on something on. And so here we are tonight, we're going to talk about evolution and just really dive into that, that hot, uh, hot button issue. So Kevin, thank you again for joining us on Center Hops. Yes, sir. I'm glad to be able to talk. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and I'll also say to everyone listening, just, Bear with audio issues. I am currently driving in the car on the way back from our class. So I will do what I can to edit out any kind of issue, um, but be hum- be, uh, be humble, and uh, I apologize for anything that I can't fix. So in any case, let me yeah. kind of hand it off to you, Kevin, to sort of step us off and then how you want. Because you, you reached out to me about this conversation, so I'm going to let you sort of take the lead. Yeah. All right. Um, basically, uh, I see I see a lot of, um, particularly in in the South, and I guess I'll, I'll intro just uh, the the reason I, I uh, re- reached out to you. Um, I know you you talk to a lot of a, a lot of people, uh, particularly younger people, um, just with with um, with what you do and. And uh, I feel like there's a big, there's a big back and forth about evolution in the South, and uh, that's not really present in other, in other uh, Westernized countries. It's not really present in um, other, like scientifically literate countries like the U.S. is. The 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 hot you, you call it a hot button issue. It's just not in other places, and. Um, I think the reason that that is is because of a an interpretation of of evolution through the through the lens of religion in America 
And I don't think it really applies so much to youth. Even when I say youth, I'm lumping us in there too. I know we're not quite as young as, <laughs> as, um, as everyone anymore, but, but you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I, I think we were sort of taught that there's this, there's this, um, struggle that, that there's, uh, that, that evolution is one of the competing theories among, among other, um, prevalent theories in biology. And it's just, I think at some point, a lot of people in religious power or not in religious power, a lot of religious people in places of, of powers, particularly in, in political power, got the idea that somehow evolution is threatening, um, theology and threatening hmm. re- religion in some way. And I don't, I, I just don't think it's a problem. I think it, it can be reconciled. I think you can absolutely reconcile faith and, and, um, and evolution. I really don't. And the thing is too, is that, I mean, the Catholic church has already done it. I mean, that they, they're a little bit more rigid because, you know, with Catholicism, you have the Catholic official position, whereas with Christianity, right. it's kind of like, it's not like it's not, there's no official other than the, than the truth of the resurrection. There's not really any criteria that you have to say, yes, I agree. You know, like there are people on both sides of the issues, a lot of ethical issues and in, in like abortion or homo or, or a homosexual um, marriage or what, whatever, like you have people right. on both sides of that competing with form of authority. Right. Exactly. So the, what I want to do is my, my aim is, there's been a lot of times in history where the religious authority, the people in charge of saying um, this is what's true uh, or this can't, this can be true or this can't be true because it undermines religion. There have been several times when those, those people have been forced to give up ground thinking uh, like particularly of like Copernicus and Galileo when it was so clearly obvious that when you looked at the, the sun, going around the earth that that's what was happening it, it was like of course the sun revolves around the earth and we're the center of the universe because we're the object of god's affection and we're made in his, his image and when copernicus and galileo challenged that they they were both very devoutly religious people um or at least right. copernicus was um I, I think they both were but it, yeah. it really shook the foundation of the church and granted the church at that time was you know you we wouldn't be able to have this conversation. I would, uh, they had a lot more power and they weren't, they were corrupt. And I don't feel like that's the case anymore, but I do feel like 50 years ago when, um, when this was being taught and there's, there's some carryover from that. There was just this idea that if we accept evolution, um, and I also don't mean to say that those people thought evolution was true and were trying to hide it. I don't think it's a conspiracy. I think they believe that, the idea that things evolved naturally somehow undermines God's authority or God's place in, in, uh, in people's lives. And I mean, I'll put it to you. If, if through this conversation, and this is not going to happen, but if through the, at the end of this conversation, you, you come to just understand something, I say something that you've never heard before and you are skeptical and you go look into it and you find that I'm accurate and this totally, just changes the way you think about evolution and you come to believe evolution. Is that going to make you stop believing in God? Well, I think it really comes down to how we define the terms. 
Um, and I think it's also important to look at context. Uh, ironically enough, today I was talking with one of the mathematician professors at Erskine, um, and he was just a brilliant dude. And we, he ironically enough brought up Copernicus because he is from Poland and he actually grew up in the in the city, essentially on the street that Copernicus grew up on. Um, mm-hmm. And so he he grew up kind of idolizing Copernicus as this uh, just amazing individual. I mean he he radically changed the way we look at physics and uh, astrology yeah. and mathematics generally. Uh, but what's so integral or integral about Copernicus, especially intertwining with the story of the Roman Catholic Church and whatever corruption or misunderstandings occurred in his findings, is what he did was just radically, it would have been what would be considered impossible. Like, he looked at the stars, he did math that had not existed, and right. he, he calculated stuff that, I mean, understanding, like, putting aside the, the, the cultural context, which is the church was rather corrupt at the time. It wanted power. Yeah. It, it, it strove after power, and that was, and you're also looking at, it was battling a multivariable front or a multi-front uh, war. It was fighting against the Protestants. It was fighting against uh, the Enlightenment. It was fighting against the scientific revolution. It was fighting within itself about internal Catholic reformations that were still preferring to Catholic. It was fighting yeah. to a degree um, against the caliphates in the East. I mean, there are a lot of things happening. And it's like, are you freaking kidding me? One more thing I have to push up against. And you're, you're, yeah, you're yeah. saying nonsense at me. You were literally spouting nonsense. What do you mean you calculated the stars and you, you figured out they were not the center of the universe? Like, are you, what do you mean? That doesn't make any dang sense. How on earth could you have done that? You were making up science. Are you making up math? Yeah, exactly. And so I think contextually it's important to remember that putting a lot of the cultural nuance aside, it, it sounded impossible. Like what he was describing was like, are you, that doesn't make any sense. How, how can you say that you, you looked at the stars and you ran math and suddenly you're saying that there's a sun that we result would revolve around and correct me if I'm wrong, yeah, yeah. but I think he also determined the, the fact that the earth was spinning as well. Like that's the only way I guess. Yeah. He yeah. That, justified that the, um, the egocentric model was the, was the, the model of the time. And I say model loosely, they didn't really, that's just what they assumed. The, right, yeah, yeah, the, the spinning no of the earth is what explains, it explains the, illusion of revolution of the sun right so essentially like you i want i always try to to one give grace where there is typically um given criticism, uh, criticism or just sort of a a sloughing off of their their beliefs at the same time i also tend to uh want to uh attribute stupidity Brothers want to contribute malice. Um, so, yeah. Arguably, think, the Catholic Church wasn't trying to like kill him for his heresy. They were like, "You are, you are literally inventing this. Like, how on earth are you yeah. doing this?" And it, I'll give, but, I'll, I'll so, go a step step further than that and say that not only was it hard or impossible to understand unless you're Copernicus, it was blatantly obvious. You looked at the sky and you're. Clearly, the sun right. is going around you. 
Like that's the right. that, yeah the, the the first thing you think the the version is okay. It's either going around us or we could be spinning, and it's like oh well yeah. No one really thought to 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 what would you assume spinning rather than revolution when when you know that right. you were created right and, and yeah and there's that and there's the the misunderstanding of um trying to turn the, the biblical text into a science textbook. Um, there, there's that as well. Yeah. But all I will say is in the sense that I think that there are just some contextual things to remember. Um, so when it gets to like to Darwin, Darwin, who was, if I remember correctly, a Catholic or at least a nominal believer, and he desperately didn't want um, his, his theory to, to just demolish his faith. But, um, right. and I mean, also, for, and this is where we can kind of get more into the discussion based on what I remember from classes and what I remember from things I've read. And granted, I may not remember everything that I've looked at over the many years since I directly studied this, but um, a lot of what we consider Darwinian evolution, I don't believe actually originates with Darwin directly, that it's kind of his school of thought that sort of takes over after his his death, um, and sort of goes running with with Darwinian theory, um, because he, he he based most of his stuff off the Galapagos Islands when he was studying some of the unique um, fauna or flora or both that existed there, and he was able to use that to sort of create this theory that things change bit by bit from one to the next, um, and then over time they were able to kind of fill in his notes, uh, expand on his theory. They brought in new evidences, new um, things to sort of lay a better foundation for his claims. Um, but the, it, it, it sort of gave him the credit with Darwinian evolution being the title for it. Um, is that a pretty accurate look at the history? Of evolution? Uh, I'm not... Or I'm of, of not how it so came about? Well, not not quite. Uh, Darwin and Alfred Wallace actually—that's one of the other. That's uh, one of the things about um, science is, is especially when it comes to um, emergent scientific truths. They tend to come from more than one place because if if right. there's something that is is not necessarily obvious, but that seems to if there's a pattern. There's there's a good chance other people have recognized it, and it just right. so happens that that Darwin's uh, theory of evolution by natural selection was preceded by about I don't know two to five years um, by another work that is almost not identical but um, but very 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 similar. They may have had different terms, um, and it was by Alfred Wallace to the to the degree that. If you ask any biologist, um, they're gonna, of course, they're gonna cite Darwin as the, the, uh, you know, he's gonna be at the top of the paper. But everyone knows Wallace. They essentially worked together on it after they realized, hey, we just had the same thing published at the same time. Um, right. We just, we just, just sort of posited the same theory at the same time. It was about eleven years later, though, that this was. This is um, the, this is this is it happened a lot more quickly than a lot of um, theories in 
different disciplines of science um, do, but it wasn't, it wasn't more than 15 years before this was the prevailing theory of how the diversity of life on earth happened. Um, right, right, right. But as far as, as far as Darwinian evolution being filled in after he, he was, he was, uh, he was religious to a degree, but not really, um, outspokenly religious. And he also did not like to speak for himself about things like, um, he, he was, he would never be having this conversation with someone with his voice. He would write it down and, um, someone else would fight for him, hopefully. And he would, you know, this would, this would be, he would find a way to make it a, a submission to an academic journal. He would not. And one of the reasons was because he didn't want to shake, he didn't want to rock the boat. But the, the main reason for that is because his wife was very, very religious and he didn't want to upset her. He didn't want to, his wife, by the way, was also his like second cousin or something like that. But, you know, of course, there's less people around. <laughs> so I, I, guess. Grace. I don't, I don't, I don't know <laughs> if that's a good argument, but yeah, no, it's not. This wasn't it's, like, it's a weird, it's definitely weird. It's, it's a weird little tidbit. It's totally irrelevant, but it's just fun. Um, but anyway, yeah, he, he, uh, he didn't want to rock the boat. He was very much keep to himself, try to stay quiet. And th- there were people who would, um, go to bat for him. I can't remember the, the right. name of the guy who was called, everyone called him Darwin's bulldog, but I can't remember. It, he was a, he was a guy well, who was a, another scientist who would go to bat for him. Well, how about this? So understanding sort of that kind of context and, and look into the, the, the back history of just sort of scientific revolution generally, how would you define the terms um, when you're speaking about, um, you know, speaking an apology or, or defending um, the evolutionary theory? How do you define that theory? Uh, well, for me, the thing is that evolution, th- this is something that happens, but um, it's, it's written off for being just a theory. And, there, and there's a well, lot I mean, of different I, I get, I, I get that. I, I understand the, the, the denotation of a theory. So don't, you, don't, you don't have to defend the, the weight of a theory. I mean, like, how do you define the specificity of evolution? Well, that's the that's the thing. Evolution, evolution is a, is an observed fact in the way that gravity, the theory of gravity, um, things fall. That's the observed fact, and then gravity, of gravity, is what explains why they fall. Right? Yeah. I mean, I get what you're saying in the sense that people misunderstand or misconstrue or ignorantly claim that it's because it's called the theory of evolution that it is only a, a hypothesis. No. no. And I, I'm saying, no, but that's not well, what I'm, yeah. that's not what I'm getting at, though. That's not what I'm getting okay, at. The, okay. the, most people, when people say the theory of evolution, they are abbreviating what is, is actually the theory of evolution by natural selection. Evolution is is if, okay. If if this is uh, if the analogy is gravity, evolution is things falling to the earth. It's the observed fact part, and then okay. with gravity, that would be the explanation. That's the theory of gravity explaining why things fall by natural selection is what explains why evolution happens. So when people say they don't believe in evolution, that's where I, things just don't compute for me. Cause if you know enough about it, you understand. And, and it's sort of esoteric because biologists are 
I mean, it's a really boring subject in high school, but evolution is just change in species over time. It is an observed fact okay. in it. You can say you don't believe it, but it's like, it's kind of a weird thing to say because it's like, we know that evolution happened. It's the binatural right, selection right. part. So evolution, so by natural, and now, now I'll get into the explaining it. So evolution by natural selection is really simple. If a mutation happens and it hinders a, an organism from um, reproducing, from passing its gene on, then that mutation doesn't, I mean, pretty simple, you know, if it, if it hinders right. you from passing that gene on, then it obviously doesn't get passed on. If that mutation does not hinder you from passing your gene on, then it does stay, you know, within reason. Not all, of, not all the time. Sometimes it just doesn't. It just doesn't get passed on. But sometimes it does. And when you think of it in the context of 150 or 200 years, then it's like, yeah, but that's not really going to do anything. But the geological time scale gives us 4 billion years. And um, if you've ever looked at time scales, like if you've ever... If you've ever, you've probably heard this little um, nifty little trick to help understand time. Like uh, a a million seconds is eleven days. A billion seconds is thirty three years. So that's the mm -hmm. kind of time you're working with when you talk about a billion years. That's a lot more than you can think, and, and that's what's so frustrating about evolution by natural selection is it to study it. You can't look at a timeline that you're used to seeing. It just it just it boggles the mind because it's so much time. So, but really, all it is is if a mutation happens and it because mutations on on the whole are usually bad things, but occasionally a mutation happens and instead of hindering you from passing a gene on, it either helps or doesn't hinder you. And if it doesn't hinder you, that's the only criteria it has to get passed on. If it doesn't hinder you, right. that, that's why when people say survival of the fittest, you'll hear biologists go to bat for, for what I'm about to say. That's not really, that's not really a good thing. The, it's more like right. the survival it's of the good enough. Look. Yeah, it's, it's more, it's just survival of the fittest is just, it, you don't have to be the fittest. You just have to be good enough to not die. To pass it. Right. And, you, and that, I mean, it, you also don't even have to be good enough to not die. You just have to be good enough to not die before you Long enough. pass your gene on. Yeah. So right. like, it's, it's no wonder that, you, you know, we're, we're 30 now and our bodies start to not work as well because our bodies, uh, historically, we should have already passed our genes on. Good going for you. Um, hey. but, <laughs> but, uh, your body, it thinks based on your genes and your DNA coding it thinks that, you know, you should have done that by now. I don't really have to stay in, in, in tip top shape anymore. You, you don't need abs anymore. You're not attracting a mate. You don't need your <laughs> hair anymore. You, you don't need. And, and by the way, my body was really strict about that. It said, you don't need them. And, and then they went disappeared. <laughs> but, um, Man. but yeah, I mean, that's really it. That's when I talk about when I'm defending it, I guess that's not so much of a defense. That's just kind of like, that's yeah. well, I mean, of the term. Right, and, and I think that, and I use the term apologia to mean, like, when you're defending something, you're typically not defending it against an attack. You're more of explaining it better for the people who, who think the same way. Like, in, in the early Christian history, the apologias that were written were really more written to uplift their like-minded thinkers to have a better understanding of what they said. So that, that's kind of what I meant, was exactly what you did, in the sense of okay, help, cool. help sort of flesh out the idea 
um, make it make more sense. And so, I mean, obviously for the, most of all of what you said is not really controversial. Um, where I guess the, the Christian tradition will begin to get squirrely or um, will want to push back is, and this is, I think, ultimately where the Christian worldview pushes back on a lot of scientific theorem or postulation or claim is at the why. Um, the how is not always, at least modernly, is not always the pushback. Because the how is an observable phenomenon. The how is yeah is um, you, it's uh, you, you can you can touch, feel, taste it, whatever. It, it, I can't think of the word. It's it's not um, shoot. Observe. And in the no, I said that. No, it's um, ah, uh, geez, it's the opposite of presuppositional apologetics. It's it's uh, facts. Uh, gosh, I'm totally <laughs> drawing a blank. It's a D You're word. I, um, I feel like. I don't know. Any case, the, maybe I don't know. Any case, um, yeah. I mean, the observable things are, are not, I think, the controversial things. I believe where the the, the Christian worldview pushes back and says, "Hold on a second, let's think through and talk this a little more." Is the either assumed or logical conclusion of the why, um, and the logical conclusion of the why for for most of science is is unattainable or it's unstated. Um, science usually isn't in the... Well, let me, let me stop for a second. Historically, science is not in the business of answering the why. That's not the purpose of I'm, science. Science isn't trying to answer the why. I think yeah. that more modern scientists have taken it upon themselves to be philosophers. Um, Richard Dawkins comes to mind. Uh, yeah, that, I'm totally... Uh, what's and his, which he's, he's, he's an evolutionary biologist and when it comes to, to that, when he's talking strictly about that, I, I have no problem with him. And I, but I do think you're right. In, in my opinion, and this is just me, but um, as far as scientists speaking to, to the why, that's when you turn them off. Because they're shooting, they're shooting the discipline of biology in the foot if they try to answer the why of evolution. And that's not what science does, but that is sometimes what scientists do. And it's not cool, I'm, in my right. opinion. Yeah, like uh, Carl Sagan, uh, Richard Dawkins, um, the three named scientists who's now popular. I'm totally looking at his name now. Neil deGrasse um, Tyson. Thank you, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, Bill Nye to an extent. Like these guys yeah, well, he's who not, hold... Not really scientists. Well, I mean, I was going to give him that because a lot of listeners are going to go, oh, yeah, Bill Nye. Yeah, okay, cool. Bill I Nye love Bill Nye. He's just, but he's going to, someone's going to beat me to it if, if I don't say it, so. Yeah, exactly. I mean, any case, so, like, yeah, that, that is probably what gets me the most frustrated. At the same time, when you get the fundamentalist Christians who pull out the Bible and try to tell you the how because of Genesis 1, I'm just like, that's not the purpose of it. You're, you're, you're yeah. taking a book that was definitely written to pre like a, a, I mean, arguably a pre-literate society um, in an ancient time that is, you know, just teetering on the, the prehistory and history time periods. They, God wasn't trying to reveal the how to them that would have made their brains explode. Um, heck, I think it would make the brains explode of most modern people. If, if he were to actually show you, 
the mechanisms, the large and the small, um, to its fullest extent. I think that we have done a pretty amazing job with the minds we've been given to yeah. open up the complexity of creation, open up the, the complexity of the cosmos. Um, yeah. At the same time, we still look out there and go, okay, I can't tell yeah, you then, why uh, gravitational force is strong on a massive scale and essentially non-existent on a minuscule scale. Um, and I, I think the more the more science uncovers, the more we realize we we don't know. And any okay. good scientist will tell you they're not worried about the problems that they're trying to solve right now. They're worried about the problems that they haven't even thought to start trying to solve because they didn't know they existed. Right. And that, that's right. And that's that, a good science is always looking ahead. But um, wow. when it comes to the why for evolution, I'm not I'm not sure. Who's trying to? I mean, you might have to. You might have to touch on that a little because I don't know. Yeah. What? Why? Well, I that think that's because. Them. Right, and I think that that's where your your view on evolution sort of is different than a lot of views of at least the modern, contemporary, outspoken people who who are quote unquote evolutionists, which again I yeah. think is a philosophizing of a bio of a of a scientific endeavor. Um, or you have the Christians who are like, well, I'm a, the- a theistic evolutionist. I'm like, well, you're still philosophizing a biological structure. Like, you're still, you're still, I think, conflating two things that don't necessarily have to be at odds with each other, but they also don't have to necessarily be intertwined um, unnecessarily. Uh, my, so I, I, my, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead and, and interject. Um, I was just going to say, my, my biggest contention is that kind of what I was saying, that evolution is the fact. Natural selection is the theory that explains the fact. And it does, a, it does an outstanding job. But also, natural selection isn't the only thing that drives evolution. There's sexual selection. There's, uh, there's tons of other things. And there's, um, there are certainly... The, one of the things that, that you said last time we talked was that there's competing theories not necessarily theories, they're competing, competing ideas um, inside of evolution and even, evo- even evolutionists, which I would argue an evolutionist is, a, is just a biologist. That's just what biology is. But, um, but, but there's, you know, there's, those guys are in, within the field of biology are arguing about evolution. But I think the best analogy I, I could think to, um, to give you for that um, is two theologians talking about Christianity, arguing about the tenets, arguing about this and that, and in two separate um, sects or uh, or what, denominations. denominations. Yeah, they're not gonna. They they can argue all day long about whether it's if it's a drop or submersion, or if it's uh, cut right. your hair or don't. It's, they can do that all day long. But at the end of the day neither of them are questioning the truth of the resurrection at all. Yeah, there's still those central tenets that they're not debating. Right, and that's what it comes down to with evolution for me. No one is, is ever questioning evolution by natural selection. They know that what they're talking about is, um, the arguments are about, okay, in sexual selection, is it really true that birds can look at a peacock and be attracted to that in the same way that we're attracted to women or are they developed enough intellectually to even have that those are the conversations they're not they're not questioning the nothing that they will talk about undermines the the um, the observed fact of evolution and natural Mm -hmm. selection that 
this is sort of, it's not irrelevant, um, but it's not, it carries weight to me. And I think it would carry weight to anyone who cares about, um, I don't know, sophisticated science, but, but within, okay, within science, you know, there's, you've probably heard before that like 97% of scientists accept evolution by natural selection. But what you, they, uh-huh. that's always enveloping science. The, the, that 3% that don't, they're not biologists. In biologists, that number is virtually zero. There may be one, I think there's one uh, molecular biologist that works for answers in Genesis. In biology, <laughs> there, is, there is no question about it. I, I've heard it put plenty of different ways by plenty of different um, biologists who are active contributing to academic journals, peer-reviewed biologists today biology or uh, evolution is the cornerstone of biology it cuts through biology in a in a way that no no other concept in biology do so when you say when you say you question that theory it's it, it's not that you have to offer something else i think that's a fallacy it's that what what anyone doing work in biology whether it's uh, medical biology in I mean, when you go and do a 23andMe test, they're cutting it off at the point of, hey, your great, 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 great to the 10th power grandfather was a Viking. But to go, to go further, it's the same exact process that tells you right. your great, 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 whatever was um, shared DNA with, uh, with the great apes or something like that. And we, I mean, we can look at, uh, you may not know this, but like Homo sapiens, You've probably heard Homo erectus, and you've probably heard Neanderthal, yeah. which is, by the way, uh, an abbreviation of um, Homo neanderthalensis from the from the yeah. Neander Valley. And the the that Homo that means human. That means we're not the only right. species of human. There there are other species of human, and we bred with Neanderthals. That's still in some people, as you can see, a very vague uh, amount in their DNA. So when Darwin started thinking about this and when he wrote the origin of species um there were there were about 200,000 maybe 100 to 200,000 species at the time and the only way he was getting to that conclusion was comparative anatomy comparative anatomy is basically like um it's it's exactly what it sounds like but to flesh it out just a little bit it's like looking at us and then cats and dogs and lizards and alligators and frogs and monkeys and right. giraffes and horses, etc. and saying, hey, they have the exact same synovial fluid in their joint. Their, their shoulder looks the same as ours. Their humerus, which is connected to the shoulder, then their, their uh, radius and ulna, that's the smaller bones in the arm, they have several little wrist bones, and then they have phalanges, which are their fingers. They all look the same. Is that because we were created to all look the same sort of blueprint or is maybe is there a common ancestor? And at the time with 200,000 species, the theory of evolution by natural selection, um, the phylogenetic tree, which is if you've ever seen the, uh, the, the little drawing, we probably all saw in biology books growing up where it's a monkey and then it gets taller and then it's a human eventually. That is, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, that that is so off the mark. I don't know who drew that and how it got so popular, but it's not linear like that. It's a tree. It branches out. Monkeys don't have to go extinct for you to survive or for you to evolve after them any more than your parents have to die for you to be born. It's it, it branches sounds off like what you're describing is it was a meme. 
basically, yeah. It was a meme, and it got really popular. It was, popular, a, it was and an it 18th totally, century meme. It derailed the the interpretation of evolution. Basically, Darwin had this theory. He There were sketches of the phylo, first phylogenetic tree in his um, original Origin of Species book. And at at that time, when people, 12 years later, like I was saying earlier, people started looking at the comparative anatomy of all these species that we knew of at the time, it was corroborated in 100% of, right. of the species we know of. And now we're, we're at 8 million around there about, I think I could be off. It's in the millions. It's in the, it's between the like five and 10 millions of species and it's still 100% corroborated, but you could still have said as a biologist in 1950 or something that you weren't on board totally with evolution being the, um, the best theory to explain the diversity of life on our planet until Francis Crick discovered the DNA molecule. And that was the nail in the coffin for anyone who had questions about it anymore, because not only did it show us that, that we had in common these, these bones and um, that, you know, we look at monkeys and say, oh, well, why don't we have hair, as much hair as them? Well, we do have as much hair as them. It's just much shorter. And to wrap up all that, there was a time when you could have a question and it was rational to be skeptical. It's always good to be skeptical about big ideas and look into them. But with, with evolution by natural selection, it, it's how biology is done. And uh, I mean, it's how we come up with cancer vaccines. It's, 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 uh, it's the main thing. Uh, I can't remember who it was that said it, the biologist in the, in the seventies that, uh, Nothing in biology makes sense except in the light of evolution. Um, I sort of went on a huge rant there just now, so <laughs> sorry. It's like, you know, it's do everything. You just took up half the time. But that's fine. Um, <laughs> no, I think that it's you make a valid point. I'm not. I think that we this conversation kind of was just circling around the idea that there is a a misconception or a conflation between theory of evolution by natural selection and the ramifications of it. And maybe we can schedule another conversation to more dive into the ramifications and the way that it can be taken. And then that really, I think is where more of the Christian worldview comes into conflict with what is uh, understood as a ramification or as a, as a natural necessary outgrowth of the evolutionary model. Um, I, I would love to do that because I think the the biggest problem for me is that there's this perceived contention and it it doesn't have to be there. But also, you know, we were talking about Copernicus and the church having to give up ground then. And uh, in eleven eight hundred to eleven hundred, the um, the Middle East was inventing algorithms and um, and uh, algebra and and then someone uh, basically the equivalent of Constantine and, and uh, Islam said the manipulation of numbers is the work of the devil. And it all, the progress stopped. And I used to be pretty confident that that just wasn't going to happen again. But I, I see the pushback on evolution. And I think, okay, there's got, we have to figure it out because it's, we've got to reconcile faith with evolution. You, I, I don't, I don't see it as a problem. And I really think that there's a lot of people who are going to give up on biology, people that could really, do great work in cancer research or whatever um, who just don't think it's real. And so are, they're bored with it. They, they get bored with this, this idea because all you hear about is, 
allele frequency when you're in high school and it's like, what happened? Why didn't we talk about, why didn't, why was this presented as a competing theory when all biologists are not virtually all biologists, all of them are, are saying the same thing, which is that this is, right. this is how we do biology. You know, it's, it, I just, I feel like it's, it's being addressed in some circles, but you have a voice in some of these circles and I, that's why I'm, I made it a point to talk to you. Well, I mean, just as we were finishing this conversation, I mean, the biggest thing I think would just be to, I mean, I, I honestly, there's a couple of things that I've been thinking of while you've been talking that I think are parallel conversations that lead more into what you are uh, thinking about. I would honestly say that your worry, I would argue, is more on the quote-unquote political left that it's going to be pushing back against what is stated and provable biology. But from a religious standpoint, there is definitely something there, but I don't think that it's in the same realm that it used to be. I think it's now more in the why question. But um, let's, let's definitely make that something that we, uh, that we, we shoot for next time. Um, yeah, absolutely. So for everyone listening, and- please tune in again. Um, this is going to be an ongoing conversation. Honestly, these kind of things should be ongoing conversations. Um, until next time, keep the conversations rolling and tune in for part two of however many it's going to take. But it's going to be more fun. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for stopping around and listening. Thanks for joining in on Cinder and Hops. If you enjoyed the conversation, had any follow-up input, or just wanted to say hey, be sure to hit me up on Facebook or emailing me at cinderandhops at gmail.com. As always, hit that subscribe button, interact with our social media posts, and be sure to leave a five-star review. Each of those things really helps to spread the word and lets me know that you like what's going on. Until next time, keep those conversations rolling.